0: everyone welcome to our Remembrance Day service whether you're in church with us and it's great to see such a good turnout this morning or whether you're looking in from home thank you so much for joining us the Reverend Shaw has not yet recovered from his illness so we welcome the Reverend John Honeyford back into the pulpit and thank him for leading our service once again John, thank you so much for helping us on this occasion. Thank you. Now, a reminder: at the close of the service today, there will be a retiring offering for the Earl Haig Fund, and also, the soup lunch will be available in the Bradley Hall. So, I remind you of those two events. This evening at 6.30, there is a joint prayer and praise service, a praise evening, with our neighbours from the Baptist and Evangelical churches. It will be in the Baptist Church so please make every effort to attend next Sunday morning at 11 a.m. will be our morning communion service other service details are in the order of service that you have with you this morning the shoebox appeal opens this week the church will be open. Details are in the order of service. I think there are about eight or nine opportunities for you to bring your shoe box down. So hopefully that will work out for you. Uh, a request from Ben. Ben needs some help on Tuesday night for the drop-in, needs some leaders. So if you can make yourself available and help him, please have a word with him after the service. And the final point that I want to make is our harvest gift day donations for the gift day were £3,065 and when gift aid is added that comes to a total of £3,700. So our thanks to everyone who has contributed and if you've overlooked it and you want to make a late contribution we'll always take it. Thank you so much. Thank you John.
1: want to begin this morning with a very familiar verse from Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Let's join together as we sing praise to God, as we sing the hymn, O God, our help in ages past. Lesson this morning comes from Micah chapter 7, verses 1 to 7. Let us hear the word of God. What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hurt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright, worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come, the day your watchmen sound the alarm. Now is the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbour. Do not put confidence in a friend. Even with a woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonours his father, "'A daughter rises up against her mother, "'a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. "'A man's enemies are members of his own household. "'But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. "'I wait for God my Saviour. "'My God will hear me.'" Amen. may God bless to us this reading from his word. Boys and girls, I'm going to get you just to stay in your seats this morning, partly because I have to stay here because I can't control this from anywhere else at the moment. And so the question is, what would you do for a friend? Simple thing. Imagine you just ate your favourite sweet and you had one more of them left, but your friend doesn't have any. The question is, would you give that last sweet to your friend or hide it in your pocket for later to keep it for yourself? Difficult one. Or similar thing, you know, somebody with no money and you have a few pounds spare, would you give them your last pound or would you keep it? Or more difficult, not quite sure if that's a healthy meal or not, but anyway, your friend has no dinner, hasn't had breakfast, probably won't get in at tea time, and you're sitting with your lunch. Do you give them your lunch and do without yourself, or do you let them sit there while you eat it? Actually, it's difficult. But in all those cases, what you do for your friend is important. But in all cases, I mean, you can get another suite. Someday you'll get pocket money again, and you'll have more pounds. Another day, next day, you'll have dinner again. So those are all replaceable. But during the war, hundreds of thousands of people were killed. They give their lives so that we would have this freedom today, not only during World War One and World War II, but in other wars and in the troubles in Northern Ireland. So today is the day we remember what they did for us, because that's a major sacrifice, your own life. That's the end of it, and most of them, were very young men at the time, many in their teens. And when the fields and so on got ploughed up with bombs and everything else, one of the things that happened was that puppies grew. And in the First World War, in Flanders' fields, that happened, but it happened all through France. I took that photograph, that's way down in the Pyrenees, and you can see the puppies are everywhere. But we therefore use that symbol of a puppy. That's why we wear that on this day. Just for interest's sake, the French don't. All right? The French have a different symbol, they have the cornflower. And that came about uh, because. In the First World War well we think it came about because the young recruits wore a blue uniform, their nose bluish, and they um, think it possibly came from that and somebody started in nineteen thirty five uh, to raise money giving out cornflowers. Same as us with the puppy made uh, in, you know, by ex servicemen to try and raise some money but we stick with the puppy. And that is why we wear those today. So I hope you remember always to do what is right and what is good for your friends. And hopefully, God willing, none of us will ever have to give our lives for a friend, that there won't be any war for us. So, with that to do, I will now invite... then Morrell up to the front for our act of remembrance you will notice that i've kept the children in until after this because i believe it's very important that the children are present for the act of remembrance as well
2: The Bible reading this morning comes from Psalm 46, verses 1 to 11. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake, with their surging, there is a river, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is with her, she will not fall, God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, he lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob, is our fortress come and see what the lord has done the desolations he has brought on the earth he makes war cease to the ends of the earth he breaks the bow and shatters the spear he burns the shields with fire he says be still and know that i am god i will exalt among the nations i will be exalted in the earth the Lord Almighty is with us and the God of Jacob, our fortress.
1: They shall not grow old as we that as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun. And in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them. When you go home tell them of us and say for your tomorrow we give
0: our today.
1: children may now leave for a Sunday club and so on. to see so many children going out. That did my heart good. Let's then join together in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we come on this Remembrance Sunday, remembering all those who gave their lives so that evil in the world would be defeated and that the world could live in peace. We also realize that human hearts have not changed, and so the world is still full of so much evil, destruction, and killing. So, we pray first for the situation in Gaza and Israel. We pray for the Christian populations in Gaza and Israel. that you would protect them from harm in this very difficult time, and that their lives may be a shining example to others around them. Lord, we have seen so many innocent people, first in Israel and now in Gaza, being killed. And we pray that more will be done to protect the civilian populations, that there will be no more unnecessary deaths, and that the aid agencies will be able to get adequate supplies and help to those in such desperate need. And we pray that this may be a turning point, which brings both sides to realize that their lives need a saviour. We are led to believe that there are other evil countries behind all this, and so we ask that their effectiveness to cause such mayhem would be removed. And we pray as well for the situation in Ukraine. Lord, so many deaths on both sides of this terrible war. What can we ask other than your will be done? Bring a real and lasting peace to both Ukraine and Russia and to all other countries where there is conflict at this time. Lord, we cry out for peace, a real and lasting peace, that the peoples of the earth could live in harmony. And we ask this in the name of the Prince of Peace, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We continue our worship now with your offering. Your offering will now be received. Let us pray. What can we give you, O Lord and Creator and Redeemer of all? We can only return a little of what you have enabled us to acquire and enjoy. Take these gifts to strengthen and extend the rule of Christ like love in our world. With these gifts, take ourselves to be more effective instruments of your holy purpose through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our praise is the hymn Abide With Me. fairly normal on Remembrance Sunday for the scripture reading to be Romans 5, verses 1 to 11, and today is no exception. So let us turn to God's Word once again as we read these words. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen, and may God again bless to our hearts this reading of his word. Sometimes, during a communion service, a text is used from Psalm 23, the very beginning of verse 5, where it says, You prepare a table before me. Today, being Remembrance Sunday, let's look together at the next little part of that same verse. You prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemies." And we begin to see that all God was doing for David, who wrote the psalm, was in view of God, of David's enemies. How wonderful that must have been for David, sought out by King Saul, later to be betrayed by his own son, David's enemies, were numerous enough. And here was David writing that God would prepare a banquet, a place of magnificent luxury and safety, in full view of all his enemies. I'm sure that next year, as we remember the 85th anniversary of the start of World War II and over these last few years, running up to 2020, when we have been remembering 75th anniversaries, if it was World War II, and over a hundred years, it was World War I, of various battles and events that occurred then, we all look back with a certain nostalgia. In many ways, for those of us who are too young to have been involved, it's not often I get to say that, so I'll say it again. For those of us who are too young to have been involved, it's easy to look through rose-colored spectacles and not fully comprehend the immense sacrifice that was involved in it all. We can remember the Dunkirk episode when the troops were beaten, disheartened with their backs to the sea and no possibility of going forward, when the war swiftly and suddenly could have come to an end with Germany as the victor. God prepared a table for us, a place of safety, in the form of little ships and boats, maybe some of them not quite seaworthy enough, who came through unusually calm, prepared seas to rescue the British and French troops and return them home to safety, and to a time where they could recover, regroup, and begin again. To the Nazis, If they only had eyes to see, here was an episode where God did indeed prepare everything in the presence or in front of the enemy. Or take another incident, which we have remembered on the occasion of its 80th anniversary, now 83 years ago, the Battle of Britain. Again, Britain should have been defeated. We were outnumbered. They had more troops, more planes, more guns. They were sitting in the north of France, right on the coast, looking at the white cliffs of Dover, ready to pounce on Britain. And if they had gone ahead, we would have been beaten fairly easily. But a relatively few, young, many inexperienced pilots flew again and again, sometimes six sorties a day over that sort of three-month period. For God had prepared a table for us. Radar had come online in time. Our planes were slightly better designed, more manoeuvrable. And the battle raged until the German Luftwaffe simply gave up, and without air supremacy, the German army lost the will to come over the few miles of water that separated them from almost certain victory. God prepared a table, a feast, a place of safety in front of our enemies. And those immortal words of Winston Churchill will continue to echo down the years. I dare say they will echo down the centuries. Never in the field of human conflict has so much been owed by so many to so few. You can almost visualize the big cigar and the victory salute as he said it god prepared a table in front of our enemies but there is one word that is totally wrong in churchill's famous speech for in fact dare i even suggest that winston churchill got it wrong that almost sounds like blasphemy so before anybody gets up and walks out let me just add that there has been one other episode in history, one of human conflict, where even fewer people did much more for many more. In fact, the number of people involved was one. And it was the occasion of the continual war which has lasted thousands of years and isn't over yet, the war of man backed by Satan against God. The one man, a man who had a common enough name at the time, name was Jesus, prepared a table, a feast, a place of safety and deliverance when he took on all the evil of the world and fought a lone battle for every person alive at the time, for every person who has been born since, and for every person who has yet to be born. The battle was bloody. Nails were driven into his hands and feet by the enemy, you and me. He was beaten cruelly, blood dripping from wounds inflicted on his head by a crown made of needles like thorns. Now, you may have seen pictures of this. I have one I took to let you know what the thorns were like. I don't know if you can see them now. It's Jerusalem in the background. I'll zoom in. Can you see the thorns they're about that length they're massive and needle sharp can you imagine that's from the mount of olives can you imagine that being clamped down on your head the battle was the greatest battle that ever was or ever will be it was so devastating that while the land may have seemed dark during the Blitz, during the days of Dunkirk, during the time of the Battle of Britain, in the trenches in northern France, in Africa, in Italy, and so on, it was nothing like the darkness that descended at this battle. For even the sun could not look, and darkness A jet-black, awesome, cold darkness fell on the land. Jesus hung there, dying. The enemy, Satan, and all his workers, mankind, looked on. Victory was theirs. In a few moments, the Son of God would be dead, and we would have beaten him. People held their breaths, well, some did, but most went about their business, oblivious to what was going on. Silence hung. It was difficult to even draw a breath. A soldier arrived and began to break the legs of the first man hanging beside Jesus, probably noticed Jesus was dead, so went to the other man, broke his legs. They would be dead within one minute through weakness, but mainly because, with legs broken, they could not push themselves up and would die of suffocation, simply unable to breathe. The soldier moves to Jesus now, and Satan's angels shout in triumph, for he is already dead. The soldier strikes him with a spear, and through the gaping hole in his chest cavity, blood and a clear liquid-like, water-like in appearance flows out. He is dead. We have won. God's own Son has been destroyed. He fell for the trap. This is the end. It is finished. It is time to celebrate and rejoice. Satan has won the victory, and as mankind, The Jewish officials, the Romans, get on with living, thinking that this victory now behind them, they can do their own thing, go their own way, live the way they want. A very few human beings bury Jesus and weep over his defeat. But God has been preparing, right in front of the faces of mankind and of Satan, something entirely different, something so spectacular that it's too crazy to even begin to believe, something so unheard of, so unthought of, that the human imagination cannot even today take it in. For within three days, Jesus, the one seemingly defeated and destroyed by the enemy, is on his feet. He is back alive. Satan has not won the victory at all. With a brilliant stroke of genius, with a master plan that fooled everyone, Satan has actually lost. Death itself has been defeated. Mankind, if they will but come to Jesus and let him be the one in charge of their lives, is no longer God's enemy. But now, oh, shout it in jubilation, shout it in triumph, we have been made God's friend. And hold it, hold it, more than his friend. We who love Jesus, we who enthrone him in our lives, are now his brothers, and sisters, for we are sons and daughters of the Almighty God. Incredible, isn't it? Fantastic, isn't it? Too much to take in, isn't it? Too difficult to believe that the Son of God is our elder brother that God, the God who made the whole universe, the God of all holiness and judgment, is our Father when we enthroned Jesus in our lives. Satan thought he had won, but he lost. Mankind thought he had won, but those who do not enthrone Jesus have lost, for they will be God's enemies if they do not come to him. But for those who love and follow Jesus, he has won for us a victory, so incredible that even now, when we have been following him for years, even when we know him as a friend, we still stand in awe of such love as this. But that doesn't mean that life is easy for the Christian. We are (coughs) still tempted. And when we are, we have a choice to fall to the temptation or not. When you are on a diet, do you eat the cream bun? Or do you stick to the diet? I'm hearing a number of stomachs rumbling at the moment. It depends on what's most important to us at that moment. And the diet can always start tomorrow, can't it? When tempted to commit adultery, to drink another bottle, to steal time at work, or a thousand and one other temptations, The question is the same question as when we became Christians. Do we love God more than this? We will follow our strongest inclination of the moment. That is why we must always be seeking to love God better. Next time you are tempted, remember this and ask yourself the question, do I want to do this more than I want to love God? For every time you succumb to temptation, you are answering that question. And every time you refuse to come to Jesus, every time you put off making that decision, you are saying with 2,200-foot-high letters across the sky, God, I love the world more than I love you. God, I love the ways of Satan more than I love your ways. For God has prepared a feast, a place of safety and joy for all who love him. He has prepared it right in front of the enemy, Are you going to share in that feast, live in that place of joy forever, or are you going to continue to be one of Satan's? Realize something very important. There is no third choice. You're one or the other. For when Jesus died and rose again, he defeated death, he defeated Satan, he defeated all the deceitful, for the sake of those who love him. And without lessening in any way the absolute sacrifice made by so many during all of the wars and conflicts so that we could live in peace and freedom today, I want to emphasize that never, never in the field of human conflict has so much, so very, very much been owed by so very many to so few, to one man, who was also divine, to Jesus the Christ. Let's pray. Lord, once again we come and we give you thanks for all of those who gave of themselves, who lost their lives, or suffered in many ways through battles, through war, through conflict, so that we could have this peace, this freedom to follow you today. Lord, we give you thanks for the ultimate battle, the battle between good and evil, the battle that Jesus won for us on the cross. And when he cried, it is finished, the alternative meaning is it was paid in full. Lord, we thank you that we have nothing to do but to accept him, and follow him in our lives and we too will know that peace and joy for all eternity we give you our thanks what a wonderful god you are and we offer you this prayer in the name of jesus our lord amen Our closing prayer is, there is a Redeemer. before the benediction, I would like to thank all of those, Bill Morrell, the Buglers, Steve for playing the... or Steve... yeah, Steve, for playing the bagpipes, and all others who helped in this service. Thank you so much for all of that help. For those maybe going home, those watching from home, Those going over to the Bradley Hall for something to eat now, uh, to raise some funds for charities, let us just finish with grace for the meal and then the benediction. Let's pray. Lord, you bless us again and again and again and again in life. Every moment, is a blessing from you. And we just thank you for all that you have given us in life and for the food that all of us will now receive at this lunchtime on this Remembrance Sunday. Lord, just bless it all to our youth that we may indeed be strengthened and give praise to Jesus our Lord. And now, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and remain with each of us on this Remembrance Sunday and forevermore. Amen.